Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Dime Dropper. We are back with another post-game recap, and this one comes for the first postseason recap of the 2022 season. We're back in Los Angeles and ready to go. The play-in game first on our agenda, and it involves my Clippers. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast. Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. Shout out to everybody in the live tonight, 11 people in the first minute, almost midnight on this Wednesday night. I just got off the plane. I'm a little bit tired. If you can hear it in my voice, I apologize, but we had to come out and get our thoughts out about this playing game that the Clippers played last night. I'll also be briefly going over the Atlanta Hawks winning, the Cavs losing, and the previews for the next two games. I didn't get to watch the Hawks game and the Pelicans game, obviously, because I was on the plane today. But let's get right into it. Clippers and the Timberwolves. A game that we needed desperately because I wanted, you know, I really thought we had a, we had a chance to beat Memphis potentially. I wouldn't favor us if I'm being unbiased, but I thought we had a chance. With the Phoenix Suns, we really don't have a chance. Not without Kawhi. And that's why last night's loss was terrible. So, let's get into it, right? 109-104 is the final score from the Target Center. I want to start out by saying the crowd of the Minnesota Timberwolves was absolutely ridiculous. They were fired up for that game. And I really hope, Clipper Nation, that you saw that. And would ho- I'd hope give nothing less of yourselves to the cause on Friday night with your voices and your enthusiasm. Because I will be there and I- y'all know me. I get headaches when I go too hard at games. Pounding headaches. When they take a timeout, I have to sit down and take my own timeout. That's how hard we went starting at game six and you know the game against the Jazz that we came back this season as well. So I will be doing the same thing on Friday. But let's get into why we're even playing a game on Friday. Minnesota, right? A team that we played a lot early in the season, but we we didn't get to play them with Norman Powell. We haven't really gotten to play them. I think we played them three times within the course of two or three weeks. Within two weeks, we played them three times early in the season. And then the one time we played them again, that was without Paul George's vlog of that game. We got our ass kicked on my channel. So... It was kind of going into it as if we basically hadn't really played this season, if I'm being real. And we came out with the normal starting lineup, Zubats, Nico, Senior, Paul, and Reggie. So Norman off the bench. Mind you, Norman Powell is back. For those that don't follow the Clippers that closely, he came back with around right when I left to go to Massachusetts, he played for us. So about three games before the season's end, maybe two. I think it was three. But anyways... Initially, what really stuck out was the way we guarded Carl Anthony Towns. Now, I've been saying it all season, guys. If you follow my channel, you know I've not given Cat that much praise because 
I have given him his praise here and there, but not that much because I'm still skeptical of this guy. The reason why I say that is because he was my favorite player in the 2015 draft class because I saw him dominate in the post at Kentucky. And then when I saw him in the NBA hitting jump shots, I was like, if he can mesh the three-point shooting that he's got, that shooting overall, with the post game I saw at Kentucky, he could be one of the best offensive centers of all time. But what he has become is the same thing I talk about, the same thing I said on Is the NBA Getting Better about the modern NBA and why people are really way too deep into this narrative of it's amazing for your big men to shoot threes. Not if you want your big men to be dominant. Because as Charles Barkley and Shaq said last night, and they always say, and it's literally facts, it's just a fact, you are taking your advantage away. It looks beautiful and skilled and amazing when it goes in, but when you put Nico Batum on him like we were doing last night, where does he go? He wants to catch the ball 30 feet away from the basket. 18 feet was the closest he was catching this ball. And you know what happens then? Not only is Nico Batum got him right where he wants him, we can load up easier with all the eyes on him. It's not nearly as... See, when, when you're posting up lower, we got to come from the top to double you. That's a longer rotation. When you're to, at the top and people are loading up on you, you, are, you have to come towards the defense. And we can load up. And when he was on the sideline and in the baseline, we were doubling him hard, forcing the ball out of his hands. He was rattled, and what he started doing was trying to force it. They were trying to force feed it to him because he was their guy, and he started forcing threes. And he was 0 for 7 to start, not to mention he got two offensive fouls because he was just being reckless. Actually, I don't think it was two offensive fouls in the first quarter. I think one was offensive. Then he got another just a little careless. And he got in foul trouble early. We had them right where, they, where we wanted him. But somebody who came out with real intensity and showing that he just has it. And I know he has it. I've said he has it, but we haven't been able to talk about him on Dime Dropper in any meaningful games. And that's the number one pick in last year's draft, Anthony Edwards from the University of Georgia. He was spectacular. He showed that he wasn't afraid of anything. He showed that this is probably going to be his franchise going forward very soon, in fact. And... He just has that it factor that I think Cat kind of lacks. He was taking it right to the teeth of the defense, as we know. So we've seen him on the vlog this season in person go right at the teeth of the defense. He's so athletic. He's so strong. But he was also hitting his threes. Also even hit a mid-range to start the game on his second basket. We know he can get hot from three, and that's exactly what he did. But overall, I thought the Clippers were the better team to start the game. I thought that we... You know, we won the first quarter 26-20 because we did it on the defensive end. Obviously, we have three 6-8 or above guys with... Actually, four 6-8 or above guys, but three of them that are wings and senior. Who's, I think, more of a wing than a big. He's not a true big, and y'all know that by the fact that he doesn't rebound either. He doesn't play like a big. He's like a mid-post wing that's too slow to guard modern wings. Or most small forwards, honestly. Not even just modern in, in any era, to be honest. And he guards, you know, the, the second tallest guy on the court. The Gallinari's of the world. Uh, the Stanley Johnsons of the world. But it's basically having three wings out there, Batum, PG, and Senior, size-wise. And we, we could switch a lot of those matchups. The one, though, that was costly and proved to be costly was Marcus Morris Senior guarding Ant because he doesn't have the lateral quickness at all. Now, this game was really physical, very intense, and the refs called a lot of fouls. Uh, very inconsistent officiating, but I don't think it was any worse for either side. I'd say it was worse for the Wolves in the first half, to be honest. They were giving us some generous calls, but it was just a, a very physical game, and it's very tough to call when it's that physical and it's the modern officiating. You know what I'm saying? Modern rules. 
Anyways, second quarter, I thought this is when we kind of had our stretch of the game where I was somewhat getting confident we are going to win because Cat was in foul trouble. You know, they seemed a little bit rattled by our physicality and how it, our attention to detail. Even though Paul George didn't start out shooting the ball well, Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris Sr. started out shooting the ball well. Sr. was getting his mid-range on. Reggie Jackson was hitting threes. Reggie Jackson was coming off the screens, getting into his mid-range. He played very well up until the last five minutes of the game where he was atrocious and basically was one of the main reasons we lost. But overall, Reg and Sr. in the beginning were good. I thought Norman Powell came in, gave us a nice lift, hit a couple open threes, got to the basket a couple of times. Terrence Mann, not as involved in the first half. More in the second half. We'll get there. Rocco hit an open three on a tough catch where he had to stretch to his left a bit. And Isaiah also played really solid defense. He didn't play in the second half, but in the first half, you know, he only got seven minutes, and I thought he was pretty good. Even though he had zero points, he had a couple of nice contests at the rim. But when Cat got his fourth foul, again, it was another offensive foul, and then I'm pretty sure an over-the-back. Actually, I think the the over-the-back was what fouled him out. But I think it was two offensive fouls in the first half. And it was so stupid, just lowering his shoulder, being reckless. There was, I think on the fourth foul, he could have literally gotten two offensive fouls. They, he shoved Marcus Morris Sr., straight stiff arm, and then lowered the shoulder into Nico. I believe it was Nico. And the thing about the lowering the shoulder is that they let LeBron and Giannis get away with that all the time. So I thought that was a little harsh. But they let him get away with one literally a second before when he shoved Marcus Morris Sr., just bonehead basketball by Cat all the way around from where he's catching the ball to his shot selection to his not, him not wanting to f- battle Nico for position. You know, the thing about today's NBA is it's more, it's getting further away from the basket. Your actions, your sets, the ball is further away from the basket with each passing decade. So that means that it's not as normal for a guy to just walk up to the block without as, as much resistance. That's where they caught the ball back in the day. Now, if guys, since your play is starting out further, you got to say, screw where the ball is. You guys got to get the ball to me if I got position where I need to get it. And Giannis is the best person in the league to watch when it comes to that. He does not care how far the ball is outside. He, you'll throw the lot pass over the top and he'll catch it. And Cat is strong. He doesn't have the bounce of Giannis. But he, he, big men can demand this. You say, go get the ball to the wing. I'm posting up. You should feel guilty as the ball handler when your big man is posting up, getting good position, and you don't throw him the ball. But Cat didn't do any of those favors for his teammates. He just wants to post up 18 feet away. And, and Reggie Miller, Charles Barkley, Shaq, they were all going at him, and rightfully so, reminding that Jimmy Butler complained in the past. Now, I'm not saying Jimmy Butler's flawless as a teammate, but... He was spitting facts because I remember the 2018 series against the Rockets. I've mentioned this several times when they switched P.J. Tucker and he wouldn't go to the block. This is what's preventing Cat. I don't give a shit about all that stuff he says. Oh, I'm the best shooting big man ever. I can win the three-point shootout with no one guarding me. Who cares, bro? Who gives a shit if you don't put two and two together? Dirk Nowitzki won championships, and he, he had his fair share of criticism with doing what I just said, especially against the Warriors in 2007. But that being said... Different era with way less space. Anyways, in fact, despite all of Cat's struggles, this was con- this is what was concerning me. Paul was not hitting, and we weren't creating the separation that we needed. And that left the door open at the end of the second quarter for D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards to make a run. And D'Angelo Russell played like the D'Angelo Russell from the 2019 Nets, the all-star D'Lo that I expected on this Wolves team. 
Remember, last year the Wolves were a dime dropper team before D'Lo got hurt like four games into the season. I think Cat had so many COVID things going on. And it was cooked. It basically just became let Anthony Edwards eat. And you know what? That year has really helped out Anthony Edwards because he is very confident. He clearly got all those reps in last season and he was ready for a moment like this. D'Lo was hitting threes. He was doing such a great job of weaving and snaking that pick and roll. He can pop, stop and pop mid-range going either way, falling away, really good squaring his body, squaring his shoulders to the basket in the air. I love D'Lo's game offensively. He is a bona fide bucket. He's great in the pick and roll when he's hitting his shots and yes, and being aggressive. And he did exactly that. And they ended on like a 15 to 2 run. It's either 15 to 2 or 15 to 3 run at the end of the second quarter. After Cat's fourth foul. We were up by nine. That was the largest lead we had. And it and I remember saying at halftime, like it's concerning that it feels like we've completely outplayed them and we're only up by one point. However, it didn't really seem to matter because Paul George got going in the third quarter big time. 17 points in the third quarter. And I was saying on Twitter at halftime that I thought maybe we should get him off the ball a little bit. Maybe let Reggie and Norman Powell and pick and roll create shots. And Reggie Jackson did exactly that for Paul. Reggie was great himself in the third quarter. Gotten floaters, hitting threes, timely shots as well that felt like more than just the three points. And then made some really nice reads to get Paul going for some for two open threes. And then he got to the rim. He hit a beautiful pullback, you know, snatchback three. He started getting going and looking like the best player on the floor. Senior got an N1 with D'Lo fell right into him towards the end of the quarter. And we went up by nine. But a play that really changed the course of the game for me. It was the second buzzer-beating three we let off in this game. I think one was McDaniels at the end of the first quarter. And this one was Malik. Beasley on a made free throw we gave up a wide open corner three that is those are not characteristics of championship teams now I'm not saying that we're a championship team this year but these role players these players that are playing on our team now will likely be on the team next season when we have to win the championship and that's bullshit you cannot let somebody get an open three. First of all when you let one buzzer beater happen already at the end of a quarter you better not let that shit happen again and secondly on a made free throw not even a made basket a made free throw where you have time to know where everyone's at inexcusable i have to watch the play to see whose fault it necessarily was but it doesn't matter it's the clippers fault okay and that, that was ridiculous because that gave him momentum going into the fourth and made it a two possession game and d'angelo russell played really well in the fourth again however terrence mann had his best stretch at the start of the fourth quarter he had so two amazing contests. I think he may have gotten a piece of the second one where Wolves fans were complaining for a goaltend. But this one block he had, I think it was on McDaniels. or I think it was McDaniels. Him and Vanderbilt, I get them confused. Both athletic wings, long arms, regarding Paul George a lot. And I think it was Vanderbilt that did such a great job in the fourth quarter. Very impressive. Or was it McDaniels? I don't even know. One of those two was doing such an incredible job and making life tough for him. Even though Paul was still kind of getting off. But D'Lo, Anthony Edwards, they responded to that Terrence Mann run where he he grabbed the ball on the block too and had an open dunk. And I was really feeling like we were going to take it home. Reggie Jackson made his first, uh, I think it was a corner three, his first shot of the fourth. And then it all went downhill for the Clips. Malik, they made a run. Malik Beasley hit a corner three to make it a three-point game, 93-90. And D'Lo and Anthony Edwards took over the game. Carl Anthony Towns fouled out, and I think, in fact, that's where the game turned again. 
uh, they played just way better with Cat out, partially because we couldn't go at him and pick and roll. Secondly, because they weren't looking to get him involved because he wasn't doing great things with the ball. Even though in the third quarter, he started scoring a little bit, started catching the ball a little deeper, like 15 feet away. And even one time, he got an offensive rebound and put it up and in. But he still was kind of taking the ball away from D'Lo and Ant, who were the better players for them. And it let them go smaller and, and more versatile on defense and maybe were able to switch more things. But there was a pull-up that D'Lo hit to put them up 97-95. And you just knew he was going to make it. You just knew it. Because the momentum, and that's where the crowd is so important when I stress to people that home court advantage. I've been to games, game six of last year against the Jazz, the curse breaker game being a prime example. Game seven against the Spurs in 2015, a prime example. There are just some games the crowd does not let you lose. You, They give you the momentum to make that next big shot. And the Minnesota Timberwolves crowd did that for them. That's why I, I, I really am stressing this to you guys on Friday. Uh, I saw a lot of tweets last year in the conference finals that made me really disappointed about how we showed up late to games because it was 6 o'clock, and I know the L.A. traffic sucks, but also how our we were just not chanting defense. And I remember it was good in stretches of games. Game 4 was pretty electric. Game 3, though, a little disappointing. Game 6, some areas, not as good as I, I remembered. It was, it was better in 2015 first round. We need to be much better. As a crowd, go back to what we were doing in Lob City. If not better, we have only grown our fan base. So this stuff that like you're too cool to chat defense, you're too cool to to get raucous in the first half. No, don't make, don't let them make a run for you to get going. We get them going. Okay, I'm tired of hearing people diss LA fans. I'm tired of it. Clipper fans were really good when we first made the playoffs. Don't start. I know we want to start getting comfortable making the playoffs, and we have gotten comfortable being in the playoffs year in, year out. But don't forget where we came from. Don't forget we need to be, we are the underdog. We are still the Clippers, and we need to make sure we give them all the help they can get. We cannot lose the game on Friday. We cannot. I don't care that next season is the one that we're going for it. We cannot get embarrassed like that and lose two games in the after all this work we've put in, after letting Paul George come back. If we were going to let New Orleans make it, don't bring Paul and Norman back, but we are going for it. So please bring your voices. I know a lot of people going to this game, so bring it. Although, I'm not even worried about it. The people that are listening to this video, y'all are the ones that cheer. It's the random ones, the Laker fans in disguise. Laker fans, please sit this one out and sit on your couch right, just like the rest of your favorite team is doing. Anyway. Uh, I did not like our approach in the fourth after the run. And I will say why. Paul George made a jumper to put us up 95-90. He missed the first shot he took in the fourth. But after that, he went 3 of 5 for the rest of the quarter, right? 3 of 5. Reggie Jackson was 1 of 6 in the fourth. And mind you, he made his first shot and didn't hit again. And also had 3 turnovers in the fourth. And PG, the exact opposite, misses the first one and then goes 3 of 5 to end the quarter. You get, you get something wrong, what's wrong with that picture? They each shot the same amount of shots in the fourth quarter after Paul George had 17 points in the third, and he is our guy. I love Reggie, and he has made more game winners than Paul and Kawhi combined in a Clipper uniform so far. That being said, this is playoff time. This is not the regular season anymore. This is not the PG Kawhi list. We have nothing to lose, Clippers. We got a lot to lose. We need to get the ball to Paul at the end of games. I want the games living and dying on his shoulders without Kawhi because Reggie is too hot and cold. And it's Paul fucking George. It's a Hall of Famer. 
You know what I'm saying? He was three of five out of that first miss in the fourth. My issue is after he made a three to, I, I think, put us down by three, he didn't shoot from the 455 mark all the way to the 124 mark. Actually, no, the jumper to put it up 95-90. He didn't shoot until we were down six, and he made a three to cut it down to three. Reggie turned the ball over a couple times. You know, I thought we should have gone to Norman more. And the biggest issue, Anthony Edwards was cooking Marcus Morris Sr. And I have to put a little bit of this on Ty as well. Y'all know I don't like blaming coaches, but Ty can make mistakes too. And he made a big one, not putting in Rocco or Terrence because Sr., he, you know, he's been riding with Sr. all year. We've been riding with Sr. for three years with this franchise, two and a half, but two years with Ty. He's a shot maker and he's clutch. And he's made clutch shots this season. So he left him in and he put the trust in him. But we need to adjust a little bit going forward. We have a deeper team and we need to do what's necessary. And defense needs to be the priority first. We have Paul George. We have Reggie. We have Nico. I mean, if we put in Norman Powell or Terrence, I mean, Terrence is not the best shot maker, but he can make big shots that we've seen in the past. Norman needs to get entirely more playing time. I get he just came back from injury, but 27 minutes while Reggie's getting 42. 42 minutes is too much. He ran out of gas. So he needs to get more on the 38-37 mark. Paul George getting 41, that's what we need. But we need, when Rocco needs, can get more than 18, he can get around 20, at least. So that was really disappointing. Reggie kind of hijacked our offense, and D'Lo and, and Ant just took him home. You know, Ant made step back threes. He hit, yeah, he hit the three to put him up 102.98. And then D'Lo hit a jumper to put him up 104.98. Paul hit the three to cut it down. And then we had a chance with a two-for-one, and Reggie just sprinted to the basket and missed a layup. And I knew after he had missed that layup that we were pretty much done. I'm pretty sure we fouled, didn't get a rebound or something at the end. And then there was the final play, or basically the, the cap, the capper of the game, where Reggie Jackson lost the ball. Patrick Beverly stole it with, you know, we're down six with 23 seconds left. And then the celebration ensues. A celebration of grand proportions that I did not expect. Patrick Beverly jumping on the scores table, you know, yelling at us, talking shit in the presser, calling us the weak-ass Clippers, fuck out of here, long flight back to L.A. Okay, Pat, that's how you felt? Well, let me tell you this. I love Pat Bev. He gave us his heart and soul. He, as I think people, some people give him a little too much credit but he did find this, let's become a gritty team. You know, let's embrace the underdog mentality to the fullest with Lou and Montrader when they came over here and kind of gave us that 2019. Remember, Patrick really missed 2018 entirely, basically, his first season with the Clippers. 2019 was when, you know, that team embodied the Clippers, an underdog team that wasn't expected to make the playoffs, that did win two games off the dubs. 31-point uh, comeback, and Pat Bev was such a huge part of that team. And that was kind of the audition for Kawhi. And obviously the Kawhi move ended up getting Paul George. And then, of course, there's the curse breaker season last year. He was extremely injured, but he was huge in the Jazz series and the Sun series. And all, overall, was just a great clipper. And I know that he feels he clearly had a lot of pinned-up frustration and emotions about and resentment about the way Lawrence Frank and Steve Ballmer did him and traded him because he clearly knows that we have, we're a team with championship aspirations. The Wolves are an up-and-coming team that just made the playoffs. And he probably wanted to be part of a championship team living in Los Angeles. 
And we were like, he's not available enough. And you know what? If, if I had to do it over, I would absolutely do the same thing that we did because we traded for Bledsoe and we packaged that for Rocco and Norman. And I would rather have that than Bev, as much as I love Bev. So I, Lawrence, Frank, Michael Winger, Jerry, and Steve, they did their thing. But I understand Pat, where Pat's coming from. I, he has every right to feel the way he does. Was the celebration over the top? Uh, definitely a little bit. But here's the thing, man. It's the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I'm a fan of a team that was at one point considered the worst franchise in NBA history. And guess who probably is the worst after that? Guess who's the new worst franchise in NBA history? Probably the Minnesota Timberwolves. You know, they've never won, besides the 2004 Kevin Garnett MVP Wolves, they've never won a series besides that year. A series. Even the New Orleans Hornets slash Pelicans won one series in 2008 and 2018. They have been only around for like not even 20 years, and they've won more series than the Wolves. The Wolves are probably 30th out of 30 as far as history of the NBA franchises go. Because the Sacramento Kings got that 2002 team. The Sacramento Kings are the Cincinnati Royals uh, in the past with Oscar that were one game away from the finals in 63. The Minnesota Timberwolves are probably the worst franchise ever. Charlotte, you could argue. But they've, yeah, Charlotte, you could argue. But they have every right to celebrate that way. That's why the crowd was like that. And, and Bev did make a promise they were going to make the playoffs, and they did. He delivered on every bit of it. Um, he's, he's not even a top three player on the team, but he clearly, had some, you know, he clearly had something against us there, and I'm happy for him. That being said, don't think I forgot what he said, and don't think that doesn't hurt to hear what he said and talk to us like that. Okay. You want to talk to us like that? You also you want to talk about us? You insult the Clippers. You insult me, buddy. And uh, at the end of the day, the team, the franchise comes first before everybody. Um, I'm going to still be here. I was here for Cassell before Beverly was even in the league. I'm going to be here after Beverly's out of the league when he retires. It's Clippers versus the world. I love you, Bev, but our day will come, and you will pay for those comments. I can assure you of that. You will be watching us one day on your couch uh, deep in the playoffs, I can promise you. But anyway, props to him. Let's read the score. Let's read the lines. Nico Batum could have been a little bit better, but I thought he overall did his job. 7.2 of 6 on the field, 2 of 5 from 3. Marcus Morris Sr. in 30 minutes, 12 points, 0 rebounds, though. That's unacceptable. We lost the rebounding battle by 10, and that was a big reason that we lost. Sr., 0 rebounds as our second tallest guy in most lineups. 12 points, 5 of 11 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3. I didn't have much problem with his shot selection or anything like that, just the rebounding and the defense and being out there too long. Zubats, 32 minutes, only 2 of 2. 2 of 2. We need to give him the ball more in post-up situations. We, he, we need to make him a go-to guy here and there. We've seen glimpses of that this season. We need to continue to do that. He didn't have many mismatch opportunities, but he can still go at certain 7-footers sometimes, I believe. Reggie, 17 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, but 5 turnovers, 3 of them coming in the 4th, 7 of 18 from the field, and 3 of 6 from deep. So despite the fact that he started out really well, he still shot less than 50%. Paul, really good game. Needed a little bit more, though. Wish he could have played a little better to start. And we needed him to take over. Uh, and we didn't give him the chance. I think Reggie hijacked it a bit and he was being nice. But Paul's got to take that shit into his own hands uh, next game. I, don't, I hope it doesn't even come down to a close game. I don't want that heart attack. 34 points for Paul. 10 of 24 from the field. 6 of 12 from deep. But a big problem I had with our whole team. One of the biggest reasons we lost. Free throws. 20 for 27 from the line. Nico missed one. He should, be, he should be making two of two. I'm sorry. I get it. You miss once occasionally. Ugh, you should make two free throws. 
Marcus Morris, one of four. Are you kidding me? One of four? At least three of those need to go in. And then Paul George, eight of 11. Bro, you should be 10 of 11. Nine of 11 at the minimum. And then Norman Powell, three of five. Rocco, I'm sorry, no. Norman was three of four. Still, though, he could easily be four of four. Just three of those points can make a difference. But anyways, Anthony Edwards, 30 points in his first postseason game. Five rebounds, 10 of 21 from the field, 5 of 11 from deep, 5 for 6 from the line. Carl Anthony Towns, only 11 points and 5 rebounds, and 3 of 11 from the field. 24 minutes played, 4 turnovers, 6 fouls. Pat Bev, 7 points, 11 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal and a block. 2 of 8 from the field and 1 of 5 from 3. He didn't shoot well, but he did his little things. The fact that he had more rebounds than anyone on our team is a disgrace. So... That's just like will at that point. Malik Beasley, really good impact off the bench for them, as did as it as had Nas Reed. Nas Reed with the, was a plus 17. That was the highest of any player in the game. And eight points for him, four rebounds, three of seven from the field in 21 minutes. And then Malik Beasley, 12 points, four of eight from the field, and three of seven from deep. Some really timely shots. And then D'Lo, 29 points, five rebounds, six assists, three steals on 10 of 18 shooting and three of five from three. Wolves win at 109-104. They will go on to play the Memphis Grizzlies in the playoffs in the 2-7 matchup. As for the Nets, I watched the game. It was pretty entertaining. Just an absolute masterclass by Kyrie Irving. I mean, the shots that this guy hits. He started the game 12-12. Unbelievable. And fasting for Ramadan. Shout out to my fellow Muslim, um, Aid Mubarak. And, yeah, Ramadan Mubarak. But anyway, Kyrie killed it. Kevin Durant was also really good defensively. He didn't shoot very well, but his passing has really come a long way each year. He was picking them apart, making the right reads. Bruce Brown was really good. And the Cavs battled, though. They didn't quit. Darius Garland took over the game and made it close, but the Nets took it home. The thing is, it's just it feels like they got to do a lot, Kyrie and Kevin. And they can, but they just, we'll see how they go against the Celtics. We'll have... So I want to I wanna talk about my plans for the playoff previews and everything in the upcoming schedule after I'm done. I'm about to be done in a second. The, the Atlanta Hawks, they didn't watch the game tonight, but I'm happy that they did win. As for, and it was a thorough team effort. Boyan Bogdanovich had 22 points, and Gallinari had 18 points. I'm sorry, Bogdanovich had 13 points. Bogdanovich, 13. Gallo, 18. DeAndre Hunter, 22. Capella, 15 and 17. Kevin Herter, 13. So a ton of guys in double figures. And then Trey Young with 24 and 11, even though he didn't shoot well. I mean, you know he's completely affecting the game. 30-piece, 29-point win, 132 to 103 for the Hawks. They get the playing game now against Cleveland at the, at the Q. It's going to be a good one. I think the Hawks are going to win. I think Trey Young and just the little experience they got last year is going to carry them through. But for the Hornets, second year in a row, they finish in the 10th seed and get absolutely embarrassed in the first playing game. Last year, Indiana. This year, Atlanta. They're going to have to make some changes to this roster. If it means Borrego has to go, they got to get a real center because Mason Plumley. I mean, he's past it, man. He's starting to decline. He's 32 at this point. He's only averaging 6.5 points, 8 rebounds. Need more from your starting center. It would be really nice to have a great lob threat, a real proper big man that can be a good screen setter roller with LaMelo. But we'll see what they do in the offseason. Also, Gordon Hayward. His health is constantly a problem. He didn't play again tonight. And he's getting paid a lot of money. 
But that's it for the Hornets. A solid season, but they're going to need a little bit more next season. If they just lose again in the play-in next year and don't secure a, get at least a 7-8 spot, secure a playoff series, it's going to be disappointing. But And then, of course, the Pelicans. I mean, I figured they'd win. That crowd looked raucous tonight. So, again, Clipper Nation, I hope you were watching that. Uh, the Spurs, every single year the play-in has been uh, implemented, the last three years, they have lost in the first play-in game. I think Memphis twice, and now tonight to the Pels. I think it may be time for Pop to retire, guys. I think it's time. Um, as for the Pelicans, I'm really happy for Brandon Ingram. Finally got to play in a postseason kind of game, 27-5-5 on 11 of 19 shooting. I, I'm just a fan of his. Only two threes attempted, mid-range assassin, baby, and going to the rim. And then CJ McCollum, who really scares me because that takes us into the preview for the next game for the Clippers. And the problem is they have the second and third best pairs in the court. We need Paul George to be the best part on the court, though. Last night, he was for stretches, but I think Ant got the last laugh because he closed. We need Paul to be the best part on the court. We need to get open shots for everybody, and I really hope that Thursday, or I'm sorry, Friday, is one of those games where the Clippers just can't miss from three, where everyone's getting open looks and we're just hitting, and the crowd rides at home. We need to give them every single ounce of support we can give them. It needs to happen on the defensive end. It needs to be very similar to the game we just played against the Pelicans, the one that I vlogged, the one where Paul came back, you know, Switching and having multiple guys on Ingram and McCollum fighting over those screens. A lot of Terrence Mann and a lot of Rocco. We need a limit senior in this game. You know, I know he could get hot and I'm, he may have a big game, but we need more Rocco and Terrence and Paul George. These three guys guarding Ingram and McCollum. And then, of course, Valanchunas, who we kept at bay last time, but obviously the first time we saw him at Staples Center this year, he went Dirk Nowitzki on us. We need to limit, as long as we limit those three, we're okay. Um, no matter what happens on offense, we're gonna be okay if we limit those three. If we can hold, if we can hold both of CJ and Ingram to under twenty-five points, that would be huge. Um, I just hope our length bothers them enough because CJ is, has the playoff experience. I'm honestly more worried about him in a one-game situation than Brandon, just because Ingram. It's a road game. He's still young. He's younger than he's a little older than me, um, but barely. CJ McCollum has been there, done that. You know, game seven at Denver comes to mind when he just went off in the mid-range area and made some unguardable shots. So it's going to be a real tough game. It will not be easy at all because the Pelicans are not what their record shows because they have CJ McCollum now. And by the way, I saw Zion doing 360s in warm-ups. Where, like, what's going on here? Anyway, they're not going to see Zion this year probably, but next year this team can be scary. And they're scaring me on, on Friday. We need to be on our P's and Q's to start. I want a blowout, just like we played him last game. I don't think it will be a blowout, but it needs to be the Paul George show. And Reggie needs to really defer and go back to being catch-and-shoot Reggie. And hopefully we can hit a lot of threes. Hopefully Ty makes the right decisions. I know he'll have them game plan well. And I hope Norman Powell has a good game. That's it for me. Oh, by the way, before we end, I want to talk about what I'm doing for my plans going forward. So obviously there will be a vlog for the game on Friday that will be posted on Saturday. I will likely be going, I probably won't be going live on Saturday night. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about all eight game ones on Sunday night, just like I did last year. And you guys love that. That video got 2,000 views when I recapped every game one. I will do that again on Sunday night. That will be a long episode, close to an hour. And I'll probably do it by myself. But if you want some other content with other people, that's coming. I am going to be previewing various series with content creators and fans of those teams. So for the West, I'm going to be having Nat Fluential on, who's from my space with Ricky G. She had me on her podcast. She's a Warriors fan, and she's been following the basketball for a long time. So she's going to come talk West with me. Warriors series in particular. We'll also be briefly talking about the Jazz and Mavs. 
which is so sad with Luka being injured. So sad. We'll get into that and their, the chances they've got of winning in the, in the episode. And we'll also be talking about probably the best series thus far for the West that's sealed, and that's Minnesota and Memphis. That'll be really exciting. We're going to talk about that probably at a solid length. Each of these episodes, no more than 30 minutes. And then I will try to get uh, Brooklyn Netcast and Murphy that you guys said look like Gordon Hayward from the pre- Celtics preview to talk Celtics Nets because that is the best series by far in my eyes. It's going to be electric. A rematch of last year with the seeds flipped. Kyrie Irving against this former team after stepping and rubbing his shoe on Lucky. That's going to be so fun to watch if the Celtics beat Kyrie. Oh, my God. They were very excited over there. My friends were very excited. Uh, it's going to be huge. One of my good friends is going to the first game. It's going to be electric. It's a lot of pressure on both teams, to be honest. But I hope I can get Brooklyn Netcast and Murphy for that. And then I hope I can talk to my boy 808's uh, Bulls fan to talk Bulls and Bucks. And I will, this one's confirmed, we'll be getting Nelly J and Fahim from the Raptors space on Clubhouse and on Twitter, along with two of my boys from Hoop Spaces, Hoop Spaces, Jonathan Harris, and hopefully Chris, the Hoop Space, the literal Hoop Space himself. Uh, Sixers versus Raptors, which that will be my, that's my second favorite series. The Eastern Conference, guys. It's the year this year of the East. And I want to stress this before we leave and go to the live subscribers. 53 wins was the number one seed in the East this year. I believe 53 wins was the number one seed in the East in 2017, the Celtics with Isaiah Thomas. That East was terrible. This East is the best East of my lifetime, which tells you you need to look further. When we look at history, we talk about Jordan's East, we talk about Magic's West, all this. We need to look at the context of what was happening at the moment and knowing these teams. And that's why just looking at records throughout history is not 100% good for you know making your arguments. Context matters. That's it for me tonight, guys. Peace out. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I cannot wait. It's going to get fun, guys. Peace. And now to the live subscribers, I know so patiently in the chat. Super chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar a dime and help you get better playoff tickets and better content. Peace.